Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Late Night with the Cousin Film Podcast. Sadly, that doesn't mean a smokier, sultrier, and sexier version of our normal show, but it does mean a bonus episode featuring none other than Mindy Kaling. This week, our regular show saw us speak to Julianne Moore all about her new film, Gloria Bell, but that just wasn't enough for us. Sometimes there's just too much film out there. So we've served up a bite-sized sequel for you as we speak to the creator of The Mindy Project and now writer and co-star of Late Night, the story of a late-night comedy TV host and her revamped writer's room. Mindy plays Molly Patel, an aspiring comic who gets a job working for Catherine Newbury, a late-night host in the vein of Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien, played by Emma Thompson. And our regular podcast reporter, Stephen Ryder, was lucky enough to speak to Mindy all about the film. Um, so thank you for joining us today on the Curzon Podcast, I'm Mindy I'm so happy Kaling. to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I guess I wanted to start off by asking you about late night television. Okay. Because in the UK and in the US, I think it's quite a culturally specific entity in the US. Yes. Um, and I wanted to know from your point of view, kind of your understanding of it, how it's kind of related to you and why did you choose to make a film about it? Well, late night TV on the kind of primetime networks was a real phenomenon and hugely important to someone like me who was so interested in comedy as a kid. And you could read all about it. There'd be books written about it, about the late night wars and who was going to get the 1130 slot and who was going to get the the 1230 slot after it. And, and that was just something that I grew up reading about because I loved comedy and I love late night TV. And so, you know, I know that you do have chat shows here, but they're once a week, mm-hmm. which seems like the healthier way to do it, to be <laughs> honest. You know, it's a merciless schedule for these guys, and they've all been guys, uh, to do. It's five days a week, um, an hour, sometimes an hour and a half for a show, and it's just brutal. And traditionally, the writing staffs behind the shows have been just as brutal. And it felt like a really interesting world to write about. Yeah, I mean, I guess I when I was watching the film and I was in the writing room with you guys, it was very anxiety-inducing. And you kind of <laughs> see that these people have to, um, people such as yourself actually, have to kind of put all of their creative, um, all their creative humor out there and wait for people to kind of just shoot it down. Um, yeah. Do you think as a woman in the writer's room, 
uh, you're, there are higher expectations of you or just different expectations? Well, I think when you are the only woman and the only minority in any kind of workplace environment, the, there's a lot of pressure, right? Because you think when you when you have if you have an off day you're it's terrible because you're a reflection of all women and all minorities because there's only one of you right whereas if a a white man in my staff has a bad day you don't think well that's what all white men are like they've had they're like that it's just never that way so you do feel a lot of pressure to be good and in many many ways to work harder and be actually better than everyone else because you you don't want to be seen as the this sort of stereotype this terrible stereotype of a I don't know, not as prepared minority person who was just given given a job but doesn't have the chops. Yeah, it's one of my favorite lines when uh, one of your male writing staff says, um, I wish I was a minority so I could get any job that I wanted. I think <laughs> I'm ad-libbing it a bit there. But um, yeah. yeah, I think that that he he was seeing it from a very kind of white male perspective, um, one that I think a lot of white males do, including myself at one time or another, before you realize that there's actually a lot more to it than that. You know, there's a lot more pressure put on women, I think. Well, you know, that attitude is something I hear a lot recently. And it's a very natural attitude to this very shifting landscape of work. Now there is so much of a premium put on, put on finding women and minorities. that It's not a surprising attitude. And if I was a white man, I might even express the same attitude. And then you think about statistics like, okay, well, if it really is true that you, as a woman, a woman of color, you can get any job you want without trying. You know, this is something, there's a there's a female writer on The Late Night with Seth Meyers named Amber Ruffin, who is a, a black woman. And she's the first black woman to be hired on any late night talk show. And she was Didn't hired- in like 72 it, as well? No, like, it was like she was in 2016. Yeah. This is like something that, and so I think that is really crazy. Yeah, no, so, it is. I, there's, um, that kind of brings me to, I think, my, my favorite part of the film. Um, and one of the things I like about your comedic persona is when you get hired for the job and mm-hmm. you sit outside the uh, the interview room and mm-hmm. kind of burst into tears and say, I'm so happy that I feel sick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does that come from a personal experience that you've had? or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that way when I was hired at the office because it was not only my first job but it really was a dream job to be working on that show and so yes that her her emotionality is something I think that is really pulled from my own life it's a combination of kind of being so thrilled that you've made it and also realizing that all the hard work is actually yet to come yes yeah. yes without it's the it's the excitement before you know what the job is going to actually entail mm-hmm. no, I, can, I can imagine I can imagine it's an incredible feeling um so why do you think a story such as this one that is a kind of divisive and complex issue that a lot of people are talking about at the moment, why do you think it's so suited to a comedy? Or is it just that you like telling stories through comedy? It's interesting. People have been taking a lot of themes and issues and political issues from the movie. But all I wanted to do, and Emma and I talk about this a lot, is to write a really real and funny movie about authentic characters that we've never seen before. And I think that because it's two women, both of whom are over the age of 35, who are the two leads of the movie, it is inherently kind of a political statement. But we didn't set out to do a movie from an activist point of view. We tell, we went out to set, tell a really true and funny story that we don't get to see that often, which is women in the workplace and what that job is like, both at the top and at the bottom. 
Yeah, I think that it actually took me um, a few kind of scenes to get used, and it shouldn't be like this, but it took me a few kind of scenes to get used to even thinking about, um, you know, a a woman as a late night television host, Mm because it's just not something we see very often. Yeah. Um, And how did you kind of work with that into the script? Did you feel that a woman late night television host should be different? to a male one or Mm -hmm. do you think that they should have just had the same kind of persona that someone like Seth Meyers or someone like Jimmy Fallon does like or were you looking to kind of separate from that uh well I knew that I wanted to write about late night and I knew I'd love to write for Emma Thompson it just seemed to me that if Lin-Manuel Miranda can write Hamilton and he can play Hamilton as a Puerto Rican American man that I can write a world where there is a female late night talk show host who's had the show for 30 years and people can suspend their disbelief as well. And the thing that I've loved about the response I've been getting about the movie is that no one seems to think that it's strange that Emma Thompson has this job. So that's a nice feeling because it makes me think, well, people maybe will watch this and then think, why don't we have one in life? It seems so easy and simple. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that the casting of Emma Thompson in that role is um, goes a long way to kind of like making people just forget that um, it's it's the, there is no women late night talk show hosts in reality at the moment. Mm-hmm. She's just so charismatic and so funny. Mm-hmm. And you just said then that you wrote the script with her in mind then. Yes, I wrote the script for her. I'd never met her. I was just sitting in wow. Los Angeles. I was working on my own show. And on the weekends, I just started working on the script. And slowly over a couple of years, I finished it and sent it to her. That's incredible. So you'd never met her before. What was it that you'd seen her in that kind of inspired you to write about her? Honestly, I'd seen her in everything because I was such a fan. I mean, I think she is the greatest living actor and I'd seen her in every role. I'm I'm talking, I mean, obviously Much Ado About Nothing Remains of the Day, Sense and Sensibilities, but also Junior, you know, I just like the other movies that you kind of forget she's in, Primary Colors. Mm -hmm. So I'd seen her in... um, and really everything. And the reason I wanted to write it for her is that the movie is obviously a comedy, but there's really heavy stuff in it and poignant stuff in it. And there's so few actors who can do both drama and comedy. And I think comedy is harder than drama. And she's someone who can. And she came from sketch comedy. She knows this world so well. And it just felt like a like the the only person who could play the part. No, that's so great and I there was um I was reading the big I think it was in Variety um that the it was really interesting because in the article at the start it described you as gentle and relatable um and within the same article you said that you see a lot of yourself in the character of Catherine who yes is yeah. neither of those things yeah definitely uh, neither gentle nor relatable so did you speak to Emma about that when you were preparing her for the role or no I you know I thought Emma's at the place where I I'm not going to give her a lot of input. She seemed to really connect with the character from the first time she read the script. And so I had my I had my own experiences that I put into writing the role. But, you know, as you know, as a writer, you write something, but it takes an, another artist to bring it to life, which was Emma as an actor. And so, yeah, I, so many of my frustrations and um, the way that I am as an employer, I put into that character. And then she had her own inspirations, which was which was really exciting to see. Yeah, and I think she's the character of Molly and and Emma's character are so kind of overwhelmingly um, funny and charismatic, and you want to see more of them. That what I was surprised by is how much time you gave to the men in the writing room as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was a really smart move to kind of to not force them to the side and just have them as these kind of stock 
male characters you mm. gave them each quite individual personalities was oh, that a, was that a kind of a conscious thing that you wanted to do yeah well i was not interested in having my character be perfect and everyone else be terrible i wanted my character to learn and she comes in with her own entitlement issues even though she's very earnest and she has to learn that the way to help is not to criticize it's actually to write and i wanted all of the male characters to go on a journey as well you know so many of my greatest allies and the people that have helped me in my career have been men and they in this movie these these funny guys whether it's paul walter hauser's character john early reed scott they all have an opinion about her at the beginning and then they have a different opinion about her later and they really work as a team to make the show better um and that was really important to me that they be fully realized characters with their own arcs yeah and and i think that because you've got these great kind of male characters, you have this really nice theme running through the film that in an, in an industry such as the one that you're working in, there needs to be a toughness there. Mm -hmm. But having that toughness doesn't necessarily mean being masculine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that I think is how those characters feed off so well against each other, um, especially in the scene where you're crying under the desk mm -hmm. and you're told kind of like, I think um, he says, does he say like, you have to be quiet, you have to like shut your mouth and you immediately retort with like, don't talk to me like that as a woman, but the truth is like you kind of do need to get on with things right yeah i think that's a really that scene in particular is one i i really like because it shows that my character is very angry at the way she's being treated and she says she won't be marginalized by the iron fist of white privilege and this older writer says i'm not talking about any of that i'm saying you need to write you need to shut up and write it's not about the politics of the worst workplace which by the way suck and I'm not saying they're not unfair but the way to get yourself out of the situation is to do what you were hired for not to do this other thing which is to criticize yeah I love that I, that was yeah. I think I, I absolutely love that scene it kind of tied a lot of things up for your character um so the last thing I wanted to kind of ask about was I was reading an interview with your director who you handpicked, um, mm -hmm. Nisha uh, Ganatra. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, I know all about the power of holding the door open behind you instead of slamming it shut and saying, saying thank God I got in. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you wanted to show with this film ultimately in that, you know, yeah. it's one thing to get in there, but it's another thing to kind of keep the door open? No, absolutely. You know, Catherine could have gone through her career and said, listen, listen, my what I'm giving to women is, the, is my the example of me that I've made it. That's enough. I it was hard enough for me to do it. And I'm living proof for other people to look up to me. And that's my contribution. And what she learns over the course of the movie is that that isn't enough. And that's something a lesson that I learned. Uh, along the way on my career and it's it's been such an important important lesson to to my career and it actually completely changed the path of a path of it and how much joy I take out of my job that's really nice to hear yeah. okay. that's really great um so thank you so much for joining us today Mindy it's thank been an you. absolute pleasure and uh, we hope to see you back on the big screen soon cool thank you All for right. having me thank you okay. Thank you to Mindy and Stephen for that chat. If you'd like to see Late Night, it is out in cinemas this weekend. And in case you missed it, our Gloria Bell episode featuring Julianne Moore is out now too. Just check back in your pod feeds to listen to that one. Until then, we hope we've earned the privilege of your time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.